Welcome to Coffee and Conservation, hosted by Dr. Beth Baker, Assistant Extension Professor in the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Aquaculture at Mississippi State University. From water and soil to habitat and food production, Dr. Baker and her guests discuss the necessity and complexity of conservation in the U.S. All right, welcome back to another edition of Coffee and Conservation. I am Beth Baker and I'm here with Dr. TJ Bradford for our last episode together here. If you haven't caught the past few, please go back and listen to those. Uh, they're gonna set the stage for us today as we talk about his current position as the lead instructor for Precision Ag here at Mississippi State University. So welcome. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's been fun. I've enjoyed these. It is fun, despite any of the technical difficulties that we've had. <laughs> I'm in a totally different location than where we started. <laughs> right. It just, it just flows. It's good. Yes, I know. It does. It adds excitement to what would be just a regular day. <laughs> right. Um, so just to recap what we've talked about for listeners joining, if you weren't on, in the first episode, we were talking about TJ's farming background. Um, since he comes from a family farm, that early career as an NRCS soil scientist transitioned back to academia to get the PhD yeah. in human sciences, having started mm -hmm. in agronomy and soil science areas. Um, and then transitioning to his professional role as the lead instructor for Precision Egg, which is kind of a big deal because Precision Egg <laughs> is like the egg program around the country right now. Yeah, it is definitely a, uh, it has caught some momentum. And the interesting thing about Precision Ag is that it's not, it's not really a new concept. I mean, Precision Ag has been a buzzword for almost 30 years. Um, I know some of my colleagues at different universities, they've been working on Precision Ag since the, uh, different Precision Ag components since the mid to late 70s. And so it's, I think now we just have a, um, as newer technologies come out, you know, they're exciting, they're uh, cool, and we're able to, to utilize a lot more data and to conceptualize things a little bit better. And so um, it's, a, it's an exciting time to be in precision ag for sure. Yeah, and as you mentioned, it's a lot of technology, a lot mm -hmm. of rapidly evolving information, uh, and and science around how we use the technologies, how we apply the technologies. So in your role, you know, how, how are you approaching um, staying up to date with the technology changes and sharing that with the students or incorporating it into the program? Well, I think with um, the, the way that I teach it is, so Precision Ag, my courses are broken down into two courses. So we have Precision Ag 1, which is a sophomore level course um, that's kind of geared toward what is really precision ag and kind of what's out there regarding precision ag. And it's almost like a survey of the different philosophies and technologies and, and what is it used for. Um, you know, some of the main components, concepts, and uh, we, really, we really dig down deep into that to kind of, you know, um, it's like taking apart a toaster. So we look at what it is and you take it apart to see what's, what's on the inside, things of that nature. I took a few toasters apart growing up, but um, 
and just to kind of see the insides and what makes it work and the components individually. And then Precision Act Two is a senior level, uh, split level course with uh, graduate students as well. And that's where we really look at how do we apply these? So we got these other components. How do we apply these to agriculture as a whole? And so look at metering technology. Well, metering technology is used for you know precision planting, but guess what? It's also used in catch catfish vaccinations. It's also used in a lot of different technologies and in agriculture, precision ag only makes up about 20% of the market. And so we are theoretically behind a lot of the other industries that utilize automation. And so um, I really want the students to, to kind of see what it is and how can we apply it because essentially precision ag is like a, it's like the technology we use is like a tool in a toolbox. Um, imagine agriculture as a car or a truck and you know precision ag is you have this toolbox and so you open this toolbox and you have a, a various assortment of tools and let's just say the tires are flat well you pull out one tool and it's a screwdriver how well is that going to help you fix a flat tire probably not as much doesn't mean that the tool is useful it just means that it has its place and Within Precision Ag, that's the, that's the key and the name of the game is figuring out where these tools have their place. Um, you know, we look at drones and a lot of the um, sensors and things of that nature. Um, that has its place and um, it may be for the research side, may less be for the practical side when it comes to, you know, actual crop. So um, what I want my students to know is know these tools and know how you can use them and the best way that it helps the producer because one tool may help a producer more than it helps another producer and we uh i want my students to know where that tool's place is to be the most effective for the producer so when the students are you know just getting into the first course and you're talking about the concepts and components and getting them familiar with the parts of the toaster Mm -hmm. <laughs> are are you using real data in some of those senses are you introducing them to certain data that they'll then likely work with in in a professional setting so yes and no so yes because i slowly introduce them to large data sets um things that they things that would overwhelm them on purpose because that's essentially how data works in precision and you have so much information and we give them these large data sets to say you know what this is a lot of information and they do freak out and they get to the point where they say this is dumb and i like that point because it says hey now within this large data set what pieces can you use for this particular um, scenario this piece of information should tell you more about the next assumption that you should make, which should tell you about the management decision that you should make. And so it's, it's really throwing a lot of them at one time, even in the, even in Precision Act 1, even in the, um, the first class they take. I want to overwhelm them at first um, so they know that, you know, there's going to be a lot of data out there. But again, there are pieces of it that are going to tell the story of the management decision and the analysis that you should make. And so let's figure out which piece is digestible, small pieces at a time. So it's, so yes and no. So I give them 
a lot of information. And then in Precision Ag 2, we take that information and we take the smallest amount of information and then I have them expand on it to say, okay, you only have this information. What assumption decisions can you make? And what information should you start gathering? What data should you start gathering? And they say, we should start gathering this X, Y, Z. And I say, okay, go get it. And Sorry, I was going to say, can you give us an example of the diversity of data you could work with a farm landscape? So we can start uh, simply as web source survey and we can start with uh, a certain landscape and we can look at land capability classes and we can technically break those, um, those soils based on their soil physical features, their physical properties down into loosely termed management zones um, because Theoretically, you're not going to manage soils at the top of a ridge the same way that you would uh, on the back slope or in the lower lying areas. And so the physical properties that those soils make up that make up those soils, they should give you an indication of how to manage those soils. And that's where we start with the students as far as how do you in turn use this tool to assist the producer, um, even if you don't have the the you know, $20,000 piece of equipment to gather this information, where can you start? And so a web source survey, I feel is one of the foundational tools that's free to everybody that is extremely beneficial when it comes to making management decisions. Yeah, and I like the note uh, and reminder that it's free to everybody. It's not very yeah. often you just have free information to help you make decisions. Um, right, and I yeah. think even, even with my background as a soil scientist, I know what it takes to get that information and the expertise that is required to, um, to extract that information. And it's, it's pretty, it's really, really good free information. A lot of information that's free may not be, be beneficial to some people, <laughs> but this information that's free is so valuable. I mean, it's just, just so valuable. Have you experienced any major hurdles as you've you know, gotten comfortable in your role and had to you know, make adjustments to the, the courses or the programs? Anything that stands out for you? Um, it goes back to your question uh, earlier about how do you stay on top of the technology? Um, because there are new things coming out every day. And if you, if you kind of aren't in the world where you are, you know, reaching and kind of grabbing these tools and kind of investigating and look at them, you kind of get left behind and it'll be a sad day to get left behind in the precision ag world. And I just think that that, that is a, a constant challenge because you have so many technologies coming in from all different aspects. And so you have Microsoft making sensors over here and you have, you know, um, soil water sensors over here and you have all these different things and tools, it's like, okay, well, I can't focus on just one tool because there are so many, but if I focus on all of them, then I can't really investigate, you know, in depth with a few tools. And so trying to stay on top of that is, um, is very, and just trying the trends of the industry is, is challenging in itself because um, industry changes on the, you know, at, at a drop of a hat. And 
being in academia, we don't have the luxury of changing that fast because if we have a research track and then industry changes, it's like, well, the funding is over here, but I have to finish this out. So I'm um, trying to stay on top of that as it relates to some of the tools that are coming out to, that really are going to help producers. That's a challenge. Yeah, I'm, I am somewhat fascinated with the world of precision egg and, and still always, you know, farming in general. Um, I think one of the reasons I wanted to start the podcast and why it's also kind of somewhat all over the board is just because the complexity of land management in general, when you're yeah. dealing with environmental change, you're dealing with market change, you're dealing with several diverse landscapes and decision-making all throughout the production system, uh, all those things being integrated. And of course the human aspect to that of decision-making mm -hmm. um, all being tied really inherently to, to conservation and us meeting conservation goals. So it never, it never fails to amaze me um, that precision egg adds, adds this whole other technology sensor, big data layer to the already really complex <laughs> world of farming. Um, right. And one thing that, that I teach my students is, and it's actually a section in the curriculum that I teach is, you know, precision egg is a, is a stupid, wicked problem. Like it's just because it is so complex. So on this hand, we have the genetics, that have with this variability and then we have the environmental component, um, which we really try to figure out. And then the third part of that equation is like you said, the, the human aspect of it. Um, and we, you know, that influence management and, you know, we can deal with the genetics, we can deal with the, you know, variability in the environment and quantify that. But when it comes to management, um, that is a key component of precision ag that we that we try to um, impact when it comes to uh, assisting the producer. Yeah, and you bring just a really unique perspective to this, just coming from a farming background, um, having degrees in soil science and agronomy transitioning to have the human element as well for human sciences and the training component. Um, and then, you know, teaching precision egg. So as you, you know, as you incorporate all this information and your view on how we make decisions, what information we use, pulling from your, you know, your knowledge of real world applications on the farm, how do you envision the farmer profile to evolve? I think that um, that as as we continue on and progress the way that we're progressing, I think that um, because I think I think farmers and the producers are natural conservationists that they would like to see where this information and data from their farm and how it's impacting their surrounding areas, and so. I think it's really cool that I'm seeing because, you know, a lot of my friends, um, they're farming and they're having precision ag questions and they're asking questions about precision ag and they may not adopt it all at one point in time, but the fact that they have questions to me is the exciting part. Um, because if you, I feel like if you have questions about something, then the wheels are turning, you know, and 
again, it may not be to adopt this, you know, um, this auto steer system or this row swath control or something like that. But just the fact that you have questions and then it's, it's on the forefront of your brain. Um, I think more producers will start to have questions, especially where we are in society where people, they want to know where their food is coming from. They want to know how their food is produced. Um, and I think that's a, I, I think that's a great place that we're going to be because it has to offer some transparency and what we're doing as producers and also um, obligation that we have to the consumers as well. So I think, uh, I think it's a, an exciting time to be in agriculture just because of the tools that we have available and how we can get a job done with using uh, different technologies. It's, it's really exciting. Yeah, I, I agree. And I don't know if I really worded that question elegantly, <laughs> but yeah, you, you took it in the direction I was hoping you, you would in terms of um, just the way even like the role of different farmers is, um, is changing in how they interact with data and ask questions about data and mm -hmm. use it to make decisions just now that it, it is available and the tools are available. Um, in the extension world, we see many um, farmer-led groups around the country and around the world that are uh, being stood up where farmers are doing the research on their own. They're, you know, they're farmer-led research consortiums where mm -hmm. they're sharing information, trying to do their own on-farm trials. Um, and, and not to say that, you know, the extension and research arms of universities would be, you know, not needed anymore. Certainly they're still a, a part of that and, and working with farmers to interpret the data and things like that. But it's just mm -hmm. another great way that um, communities come together from different perspectives, you know, right. to really evolve these systems and evolve our ideas and evolve conservation in really exciting ways. As you mentioned, it's a really fun time to be mm -hmm. in a conservation or an ag arena mm -hmm. um, just because of how those technologies are fostering growth and new ideas and data sharing and ways we can track resources all around the world. Yeah. And I think that with all these technologies and tools being developed and utilized, we're seeing more people being involved in ag that traditionally may not be involved in ag. And so I have a, a good friend of mine who is, um, who's a pilot. He's a, um, a manned pilot and a licensed remote pilot. And he has zero idea about ag at all. Um, but he knows the tools and things that are being developed and how they impact ag. And so now he's associated with agriculture. And I think that's, that's so cool because you know, who would think that outside of, you know, crop, uh, crop dusters and things like that, where pilots would be associated with agriculture. And it's, I think it's so cool because it, it just, I think that agriculture, it precision ag specifically is just touching a lot of different disciplines, you know, from the computer scientists, computer engineers, um, the data scientists, you know, GIS specialists, um, biologists, and it's just bringing a lot of people together and so I think, I think that's, that's super, super cool. It was almost like a campaign there for egg jobs that <laughs> in case you didn't know the diversity of right. egg jobs out there. Right. Agriculture, we, we can use everybody. I mean, so, and ag, that's, that's just, uh, I mean, I can talk about ag and plants all day, just about, you know, the diversity and um, how many millions of jobs ag creates. And so, you know, I love mm -hmm. to slide that in there. 
<laughs> no, I love it. I mean, that's where the magic happens that we're, that's, right. that's really where, um, yeah, people's food is grown. The livelihoods are made, water's protected, soil's protected. It's pretty much the foundation uh, of raw materials. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think precision ag is, like I said, it's conservation in nature because, you know, we, uh, the goal is to do the right thing at the right place at the right time. And whether that's with water, fertilizer, uh, anything, we want to make sure that we match what's going in to what the crop needs and what's already there. And I think that's just in itself is, uh, is conservation and stewardship. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. That is kind of the fun- fundamental component right there. Man. I guess that wraps it up for today, but I, we're going to just have to find a way to collaborate again on some other topics. I have a feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This yes. was a pleasure. As always, you can find more information on our website or in the show notes after the show. And we always want to acknowledge and thank our primary sponsor, the Mississippi Natural Resources Conservation Service, for their support of this podcast. Thanks for joining us for Coffee and Conservation. To find out more about the topics discussed, visit the REACH website at reach.msstate.edu or the Mississippi State University Extension Service website at extension.msstate.edu.